Yeah. Yeah, man. I woke up with a bunch of shit on my mind I'm breaking the curses through the verses for a stick and design The time's wilder than they ever been Vibing in the salt like a terrapin Laughing to aspire through the heavy ones The beast roll up They got no chances on advancing when my piece roll up We keep it cooking like rotisserie The mystery on how to navigate through it all We're stepping smarter than we bothered with the breaks in the fall So whether burning hot for summer or be mad in the cold I call a robber MC so we can stroll down the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Rob the MC Cole, let's hit the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast I got a special guest today guys I mean a gentleman who's been a trailblazer in the black nerd community A gentleman whom uh, in whom I've met on the Clubhouse app Which is the latest social media craze that everybody um, who's anybody wants to get on But if you have Apple, you can if you don't Feel sorry for you. So, um, without further ado, I introduce you to Mr. Hank Bird. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? What's up, brother from another mother? How you feeling, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Getting this last minute Christmas stuff done. Yeah, man. Do you, do you think people have tempered their request since because of what's all going on, or is it still the same kind of thing? It's still the same. Still the same. <laughs> They're mm. like, damn that. I, I need a PS5. <laughs> man. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. That's funny, man. Yeah, on my side, um, you know, I, I, my families don't really celebrate on their side, and then on my side, I, I, I mean, I'm not married, don't have no kids, so I ain't got nothing to really worry about. <laughs> so my Christmas gift is uh, food on the table. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, man. But um, the reason why I wanted to have you on this podcast is, man, I was so encouraged to see that you're a screenwriter um, and you do and produce content. Um, kind of give my audience a background of, of uh, what you've been uh, of yourself and what got you into writing screenwriting and stuff. Okay, so I am um, originally from Georgia. I'm, uh, I'm born in Augusta, Georgia. Actually, um, I am a, a child of a military parents, so. Pretty much traveled um, around the world as a kid. Um, I, I always tell people I'm a, a, a world citizen, a citizen of the world. I've, I've been everywhere. Um, I'm a military vet myself, uh, serving in the U.S. Army. Um, so screenwriting, I, man, I got into screenwriting um, after high school, um, and that was a long time ago. So you know, I'm 48, so I got out of high school in '90. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of put the bug in me was um, I I remember going to see um, Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, okay. With, uh, yeah, yeah, and I was just in, enamored with the movie and, and just wanted to know a lot about you know how that was made, how it was done. I was always a movie buff going in, but um, you know I really became you know enamored with mechanics and filmmaking. And um, and I've always been a writer. I've uh, always wrote um, short stories and and poetry and things like that as a kid. But I, I you know, I had never saw myself as writing films until then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just started mer- trying to learn about as much as I can just about filmmaking and everything. And so, um, my interest came at a at a particularly good time because you know this was the late '80s, early '90s, and what we called the black film renaissance so this is where you got spike lee and you know maddie rich and 
Mel, uh, Mario Van Peebles and, um, you know, Julie Dash and all these black independent filmmakers are coming up. And so, you know, now I got the bug, but I got also got people that look like me that's doing it. So that kind of, you know, that kind of helped it along as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to get into writing spec scripts and, you know, anybody that's done it knows that that is hard as hell. Uh, to try to sell the script, so that uh, it took me a while to really find my groove as a writer, find my style as a writer. Um, you know, I wasn't a very good one to begin with um, as far as screenplay, and so but I so I had to learn a lot. And so um, once I once I started learning the mechanics of it, and you know, things started happening for me, I started writing, uh, um, doing some editing jobs here and there, and um, you know really just kind of learning my way around scripts and, and until I started doing my own thing. Um, did my first short film um, back in, I want to say, oh, seven, oh eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, won a couple of awards for that. Uh, won some writing awards. And so that kind of validated what I was doing. And so from there, I, you know, I started my own production company and, you know, just started, um, you know, making short films and, and everything else, and um, yeah, the rest, is, the rest is history. Wow. Okay, let's unpack a couple things, right? You were talking about the golden era of uh, black creativity in the early '90s. You're right. Um, there was a there was a influx of whether that's on traditional television, right, but also mm-hmm. movies and fresh new perspectives of the black experience, and they were really, mm-hmm. um, you know, honing in on the black experience, and they were telling it in so many different ways, but it was so real and fresh and authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's dope that you were influenced by that. For me, much, you know, I'm 30, so it's a, it definitely is an age gap between me and you, but to grow up mm-hmm. watching so many black people on television, you know, I was inspired to do that, but that would seem like later in the 2000s, there was a lull. I I would say probably the mid 2000s to late 2000s there was a lull in black programming um, right. which is so interesting but to get to your writing <clears throat> the writing process right I'm so curious about how you developed and worked on your ability to write better to do better writing to improve that walk us through that process of how you developed your voice your own inner voice and just developed your skill set in terms of writing yeah you know writing is definitely a muscle you got to build it and you have to also study um, I, I look at, I look at all of that, you know, funny enough, the thing that, that, um, inspired my, my, my course of study or whatever is, is Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson is, was one of those people who not only was he, um, a, a world-class athlete as far as boxing, but, you know, he talked to Mike, he's a historian. He's a, of, he's a ferocious reader. Ferocious reader. He watched everything. He watched all the all the the, the fight films from like the the nineteen hundreds um, on up. You know, he, he's a he's a boxing historian. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I became a student of film, um, and that really made me. That really helped me with my writing. Um, just not being a student of film, but also reading screenplays. I read a lot of screenplays. You know, so just looking, you know, it gives you an idea how they look, the, you know, the mechanics of them, how they're structured, everything else, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of what you're doing. But yeah, um, you know, studying film, um, watching a lot of film, um, just living, having life experiences, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, those all, I think, made me a, a more rounded screenwriter. Mm. 
Okay. So many different things. Did you take any classes or re- or, or read any books about it too? No, I read books. I'm self-taught. Okay. So no, I didn't. I didn't go to. I didn't go to college for that. I went to college for um, radio, TV production, and uh, political science, but not for uh, screen, you know, screenwriting or filmmaking. Oh wow! Okay, if you were to suggest a book, just a book that really helped you kind of get the taste of it, kind of get your feet planted in the ground. Was there any specific book that you can remember offhand? Yeah, um, the one that, that I always suggest to, to new writers is the Screenwriter's Bible. The Screenwriter's um, Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Screenwriter's Bible will pretty much answer most of your formatting questions, um, how to write particular types of scenes. Um, you know. Form, it'll, it'll answer a lot for you as a new writer. It'll help you with that. Um, another book that I, I would suggest is um, Stephen King actually wrote a book about writing, just in general, just writing. And I actually would suggest that book. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really good, it's, he has a lot of funny quips in there about writing. And, um, you know, of course, he's a, he's a master storyteller. And so, you know, he talks about the process of just putting a story together and writing and, and you know, his story as a, as a writer. And, you know, it's really inspirational. It's really uh, uh, interesting, you know, um, just to hear him talk about putting story together. So oh, that's, wow. those are two that I would suggest. That's a fascinating place to pull your inspiration from Stephen King. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Because yeah, because most people are like, I want to be a writer. I want to do this. I want to create, I want to make content and it's cool to have a concept and idea, but like, I love how you worded it. You said the mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned the mechanics of it I and mean, there is a mechanical function of it. There is a structure. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I struggle with ADHD and I'm very hyper. So I'm definitely going to get the screenwriter's Bible. I just bought final draft. I think it's called final, final cut or fi- no final. Yeah. It's a final draft, final cut. Final draft. Yeah, final draft. I just I just got it for the iPad. <clears throat> and I'm gonna probably learn, you know, take a little watch some YouTube videos and learn how to do it. But um I'm gonna definitely use that advice. Um because a concept and idea is good, but there's a mechanism you need to do to format it correctly to, to really tell a quality story, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean a lot of screenwriters um suffer from that, you know. Um they uh you know, have all the great ideas in the world. And but, you know, if you're putting together a screenplay and it's not structured properly or not formatted properly, um, it, it, you know, they'll wind up in piles. <laughs> and you don't want to wind up in piles. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you definitely want to make sure, because, you know, I've been, a, I've been a reader as well. I've been, you know, I've been hired to read stuff for, for other people. And, you know, if, if I'm reading a screenplay and, I, and it's a book, then I, I'm, I'm not going to be interested in continuing on. If I got to go through a lot of bad grammar and spelling and, you know, just, you know, it, it doesn't look, it's not properly formatted. And I'm like 10, 15 pages in and I got, you know, 70, 80 pages to go. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to finish. <laughs> Interesting. That's true. Um, the, the level of attention to detail. You also talked about how you were a vet, which is so, I'm so curious in the U S army, which I'm appreciative of your service. Thank you so much for your service. Um, tell you. me about how that influenced, did that influence in any way your approach to, um, you, the way that you build your worlds or your stories or, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I've been, you know, just my, my entire life, man. It's just, you know, it's a little unorthodox in most kids growing up. You know, I, I, I went to school in, in different countries and, you know, I've been, man, I've been to Germany, Italy, Thailand, um, just all different countries. You know, I've been other continents, you know, I've, I've studied with kids from around the world 
you know, kids in my classroom who were from Korea, Egypt, you know, South Africa, everywhere. And so it kind of shaped, you know, my thinking um, a little bit um, growing up. You know, I, I'm, and I've been in the hood too, but, you know, I've also been around the world. Mm. And, I, and so, so my, 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 uh, my thinking is, is a little bit, I guess, a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got family who, you know, lived in the hood and, I, you know, who I spent extended uh, periods of time with. So I, I, I got both worlds, you know, um, got kind of a global perspective. And I also understand, um, I understand what poverty is. I understand what, you know, what um, it is to live in a, in a neighborhood with, with drugs and, and crime and gangs and, all that stuff. I've, I've lost relatives to, to, to gang violence in the 90s um, mm. to, to the crack epidemic. And, you know, I saw what that did to my family and what it did to other people's families. So, I mean, I, I you know, I have a lived in experience, you know, that most people don't have. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so I, I, I definitely draw from those uh, experiences, you know, when I write. I love that. Is there any, so, so you know, kind of piggybacking off what you're saying, going to school and, and interacting with so many different cultures, right? Um, my mm -hmm. question to you would be, what is some, what culture, a culture's approach to film do you really like? Like you love watching films from a certain country. What would you say um, are some of your, your country, favorite countries to, to watch films from? Um, I would definitely, I mean, I, I mean, I like American film more than anything else. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I recently grown to really have an affection for, um, Korean film, you know, Korean, they're, they're doing it, man. They're, they're really making really good films. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like American films. I mean, of course I like for, I like Japanese films. I like Akira Kurosawa, um, you know, I, Sergio Leone. Um, yeah, a lot of filmmakers from around the world that I like. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I love American movies, man, because American movies are influenced by the world. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm really in love with American films, you know. I would think most of my films that I, I love are, are from here. Okay, what are some of your favorite films? I'm going to just share one with you that's my favorite film. And I almost mm -hmm. know everything verbatim, which is Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. I literally know that for almost every... I can do it verbatim, that's, literally. That's funny. That's, that's funny you said that, man. I mean, I'm, and, it's, and, I'm, and I'm not even tripping. I'm not even lying. That is my favorite movie. <laughs> Guys, we did not pre-select this at all. Are you serious, dude? That is, that is the best, best, that movie's perfect. Bro, walk that me through it, bro. Perfect. We're, we're going to nerd out for a second. Let's go down the rabbit hole, guy. Yes, yes. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Tell me, all right, I want to know from your perspective as a person who's done films about Forrest Gump, why does it touch you so much? Even to this day, I almost get tears. I, I feel so emotionally invested into the characters, but I really want to yeah. know from a person who has his own production company, who writes, who's a screenwriter, your perspective. The, the, you know, very few films um, touch every emotion mm -hmm. equally. You know, then, then a film like Forrest Gump, I mean, it's, it's everything, man. It's a it's a love story, it's a it's a war story, um, it's a it's a, a rags to riches story, it's a triumph story, um, it's a comedy, it's a drama, it's everything. It's it, it, everything about that movie is just is just perfect, man. It was like you obviously meant to uh, capture lightning in a box mm -hmm. with that film, man. I mean, Tom Hanks. I don't think anybody could have done that done that role any justice. Um, than Tom Hanks, the way he told the story, just the unique setup of the story. Some guy who's, you know, a little mentally challenged 
sitting on the bench in Georgia telling his life story over a box of chocolate and some, and some raggedy Nike. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And who, who would have thought of that? You know what I'm saying? It's just the whole setup, the whole premise of the movie is just, is just a well executed, well made movie. Beautiful oh, yeah. movie to oh, watch, man. It's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful movie to watch, man. Every everywhere they went was was, was just beautifully done, and um, just all the performances were were top, man. Sally Field, Gary Sinise, you know, uh, Robin Wright Penn, everybody was was just excellent in that movie, man. And so, man, I, I and the way they weaved in real history with him, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, you know, it was was hilarious and also really cool. Um, Man, I, I yeah, I, I it's, it's it, I hear a lot of emotions watching that movie, and it's still to this day, you know, just you can watch it, and it's like you miss little stuff that you didn't catch the last time that you watched it. It was it was just perfect, man. Oh yeah, and the rewatchability is amazing. And then on top oh, of that, man. the way they were able to transition, like you said, you talked about how many different dynamics it had, but the way that you were able to transition from scene to scene and from just from time period, it was it was flawless. Yes, yes, flawless. Truly an I American mean, masterpiece. Yeah. It was a masterpiece. It was a master film, man. Oh you yeah, know, that, I that was that was Robert Zemeckis' best work ever. I, oh, yeah. I don't think he get, I don't think he could top it. I mean, he's done a lot of films since then, but I don't think he could ever top Forrest Gump, man. That's, that was a, a, a master work of cinema, man, and acting and everything else, man. And and, uh, and everything that that film got, it deserved, you know, and, and it needed more. I think that film didn't get enough, in my opinion. That's a big thing. Actually, there's some some little, ner- like, here's some nerd stuff about um, Forrest Gump. All right, so down the right hole again. So, look. Um, with Forrest Gump, did you know, even though it did very well in the box office, it actually was considered, from a financial point of view, uh, a failure? Did yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? I knew that. That's why I knew there, And there was actually another book written that was supposed to have been a sequel. Yes, it was. Yep. It was. Yep. Yeah. But, but, didn't ha- but didn't happen. Yeah. But I don't think they could have done it. I don't think they could have done I don't think they could have topped the first one. I don't think it would have been necessary. No, nah, they would have ruined it. Sometimes certain movies, it needs to sit its own in its own universe and never fucking touch it. <laughs> right, right. And that was one. That was a movie that never needed to be just fucked with at all. Man, they just that was the one and done. Oh and yeah, there was no reason to make another one. Uh, oh. You know, so yeah, that was my that's my that's my favorite movie. Man. Wow. I, yeah, I watch that movie all the time if I can. Oh man, you know another movie that people don't realize, and this is a really random movie, but um, Robin, one of Robin Williams' actually best performances in his career, it's called Bicentennial Man. I remember Bicentennial Man. That is one of the most underrated movies ever. I don't know how many people have seen or heard of it, but it's his ability to play that character, the machine, the motion, the the motion he was able to to produce and just, you really would feel for him. And um, I do challenge most people, if you want to talk about how hard it is to act as a robot, Bicentennial Man is one of the best movies I've ever seen too, when it comes to acting. He was good, man. I mean, there there are a, a couple of Robin Williams movies people sleep on, man. I think the the older older movies, um, the people they'll probably even know he did was uh the world according to Garp. Ah, a lot of people never saw that movie. Oh, well. And um, mm-hmm. really good movie. It was really good, really really good movie. Um, it was him, um, uh, John Lithgow, uh, who played a um played a, tra- a transvestite mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um in the movie and he was 
and he was he was born um, um, in a home with uh, people who weren't uh, like a boarding home uh, with people who were kind of little weird. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, um, I think um, I can't remember who played his mom. Uh, she was an Academy Award-winning actress. Um, shit, I can't remember. But it was a really good movie. Really good movie. And he showed a lot of dramatic promise in that in that role back then. Mm. Um, a, lot of people, a lot of people didn't see. It's a really good movie. Robin Williams is a true American great. I'm so sorry that we've he lost was. him. You know? He was, man. He was. I mean, but that's the thing about comedic actors, man, is that, um, and, and, and most of the actors that I work with are comedic actors. You know, comedic actors are, are very versatile. And, um, you know, for, for directors, a lot of actors know that. And um, that's why you see a lot of uh, uh, comedians transition in the drama very well. Um, comedy comes from a, a great place of pain. Yes, it does. And so, so you know, co- uh, comics are really able to, to flip that switch and do both. You know, that's why you see people like Eddie Murphy and um, Robin Williams and Jack Black and you know, other uh, comedic actors transition very well in the drama. Um, it's easy for them to do it, you know. Interesting. Because of where it comes from, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if you, and so directors, if you're looking for, you know, don't sleep on your comedic actors. A lot of those guys, I mean, you're, you're, those guys are very good at drama. Wow. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Well, let's go down another part of Rabbit Hole. All right, so we both identify as black nerds or blurds, which is the cooler way of saying black nerd. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about your, man, you've produced some stuff. You're talking about how you've got your own production company. I want to get into that. Let's talk about the production company, and then we're going to talk about the, the, the show that I watched on Tubi, T-U-B-I, a wonderful mm-hmm. platform for movies. Let's talk about this production company. Um, when did you start it? Uh, I think you, talk, you kind of mentioned it. And then what it, uh, and, and what part of it uh, was, you know, kind of give us the, the nuts and bolts of how you set up your production company. Sure. So um, I started my production company, Sentimental Filmwork. Um, we started probably around, oh, I want to say about 07. Yeah, about 07. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I made my first, when I made my first short, that was my first, uh, that was my first production. And so that's when I started the, the production company. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to you know, say that I'm a I'm a producer and this is what I'm producing and I didn't trust me then back then I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a fucking plan in the world of what I was gonna do with a production company. <laughs> I just started it because I was making a movie at the time. I said, hey, you know, I'm making this short film at the time. So I'm gonna go ahead and start my production company. You know, I got these big lofty ideas. I'm gonna be making films and, 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 and animation and, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, so it's actually a, a multimedia company because you know I plan to do like everything, um, but you know, kind of just rele- pretty much relegated myself to film and and uh, and, and series uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am currently working on a graphic novel. Um, I have a yeah, I am working two actually uh, working on a couple of graphic novels, and um, so I'm gonna be jumping foraying into uh, into comic book writing, which I always wanted to do um, for a long time. Well, um, I got I got so, somebody that can do so your comic book drawing for you. There's a young man. His name is Kuda. Um, okay. He's um, from Zimbabwe, and I'm going to connect you with him. He he's actually done some stuff for me, and he's 
one of the most he I think he's done some stuff for Cam Newton. Um cartoon oh, wow. work for Cam Newton. Yeah. He's the one of the most he's literally a matter of fact, while we're talking literally live, I'm gonna send you a message and have and send you his profile. He is uber talented. Um Ooh, yeah, cool. Kuda. I'm, I'm gonna try to get you guys connected because he could do some stuff for you. But yeah, Ooh, so tell, so when you were starting a production company, what were the main uh, linchpins for you to start the organization? What did you need to have? Like the basic amount of people, stuff, equipment to have to get this thing going? Because a lot of people are like, I wanna do that too. Or I want to support or what you know just curious about how that would start what was the basis basic stuff you needed to get it off the ground starting a uh, production company it's, it's like starting a business it's basic man you get your your um your electronic your ein number or you know your your tax your tax id number for, you know from um the irs you can do that online okay so you get your ein um you can register your business with the state um you can eventually do like I did and get an LLC, um, which, you know, costs you a little bit, but, you know, you fill out the paperwork, you register that with the state, you get your, yeah, you get your, um, um, your, um, certificates and everything for your LLC and then you're off and going. I mean, it's just like starting a business. It's just a basic business set up. Um, mm-hmm. anybody can pretty much say they're a production company. Interesting. I mean, yeah. You know, it don't take much to start a production company. People starting every day out of their bedrooms, their garages, um, living rooms. Yeah, it doesn't take much to, to, to start a production company. Because when I think now about a production company, you got to get like 1,200 cameras and they're all like $3,000 a piece. Nah, okay. you ain't got to do that. No, nah, you got to you, you find a guy that has that and, and just hire him. <laughs> and you pay him his day rate or whatever it is that it takes for him to do it. So, nah, I didn't do any of that. I, I mean, I bought some equipment when I started out. Um, when I first started, um, I was doing a lot of uh, what you would call, com- I do a lot of commercial work, doing, um, you know, uh, commercials for businesses, uh, doing photo shoots, things like that. I was, uh, I, I really uh, got a lot of my start in the music industry here mm-hmm. in Tulsa. I was, I was shooting a lot of, um, concerts and um, doing a lot of EPKs or what they call electric electronic press kits for um, a lot of the local artists here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of got my start um, or cut my teeth shooting. I um, mm. was shooting a lot of uh, uh, videos and stuff for local artists here in Tulsa. Mm. So that's kind of how, yeah, kind of how I got my start, you know? So yeah, I was big, you know, cause I used to do music back in the day. And so I knew a lot of the artists here. So, um, you know, when I finally got going, I was like, hey, let me come, you know, shoot your concert uh, this weekend. Or, hey, let me let me come shoot this performance. Or, hey, let me um, put this press kit together, help you put your press kit together, you know, and everything with photos and, and video and stuff like that. So I was doing that for money for a little while. And then, um, like I said, started uh, putting together, uh, you know, videos and stuff like that. And, you know, and it, you know it, it just took off from there. And then I then I transitioned into actually doing film and stuff like that um, later. Oh wow, interesting! Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so now as we as we go one more uh, one more league under the sea. <laughs> All right, we saw your I saw your wonderful production called Blurred on Tubi. Um, let's talk about mm-hmm. that real quick before we finish up, and um, we're going to do another episode with you back on, and we're going to have more nuanced conversations, maybe even um, picking apart some movies because I, I really want to do a series of. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that real quick. So, um, so Blurs was a, a show that um, I put together. I, I put it. I was conceiving it a few years ago, 
um, it was a show that I initially going to uh, shop around um, to cable network. So I had written the, the pilot and uh, was considering, you know, shopping it, you know, trying to sell the script, get it made or whatever. And um, it wasn't having any success doing that. And so um, I said, well, you know what? Fuck it. I, I'll just do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like I said, I know a lot of comedic actors and, and um, you know, but I have a lot of friends here that act. And so um, I got a team together. We started going over the script, um, just really thinking about, you know, where we're going to shoot, started scouting location. I mean, I really put a, a really good team together, um, production assistants, um, co-producers, DPs, sound people, light people, you know, just put a whole team together here locally um, of people I knew. And uh, so we shot the pilot episode and, um, you know, I paid for it out of my own pocket. It took shit took us damn near a year to shoot it, and um, and there, and that, that was the rest. And so, um, yeah. Oh, good. Oh yeah. So walk us through the concept of blurred, specifically about the, what the movie's about and why it's important for a movie like that to be out. So um, it's about three childhood friends, uh, Charlie, Ty, and Warren. They, uh, you know, friends since they were kids, and they um, started a comic book uh, back in high school. Uh, called Subatomic Sand. So fast forward, you know, they're they're in the early 30s now. Um, and um, Ty and uh, Charlie get um, fired, well, downside from their uh, cushy corporate job. And um, so Charlie decides, hey, let's dust off that old idea that we had in high school and start our own comic book and start our own comic book company. But in order to do that, they have to get their friend Warren um, to help them draw. He's been the best artist they know. Mm-hmm. So they go to enlist him, but, you know, they've been estranged for five years. They had some falling out. And so that's what the episode is about, them getting getting fired, getting their ideas, and start the comic book, and then going to get Warren to convince him to uh, help them uh, draw the comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, it came about um, kind of just, you know, just life, man. I mean, I've I knew my cousin, um, God rest him, my cousin Jerome, he was an artist and um, he was a really good one. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he wound, uh, he wound up being killed um, due to gang violence in the, in the early 90s. Oh, you, oh. And, uh, and so, yeah, man, it was a, it was a, it was a tragic thing, man. He, um, you know, it was one of those foreshadowing things like in a movie, man. It was, uh, he had just finally was getting everything together. He was, you know, he was graduating from high school um, at the time I was living in Kansas, I was in the military. Um, he was going to come live with me, kind of get himself out of, you know, get out, get out to the streets and, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and he was going to go to art school and marry his girlfriend and all that stuff, man. And, and, and while I get killed, um, you know, in, in 94. Wow. Um, and, and, and we had always had big dreams about doing a comic book together. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going to draw, I was going to write it. And um, we all had these ideas and everything. So the the comic, the, the show is loosely based off my life. You know, each one of the characters, uh, Charlie, Ty, and Warren, are, are me at, at a particular period in, in time. Wow. So each one of those guys are, are, are a piece of, of who I am. And so, yeah, the, the concept came from just life, man. Just, uh, you know, the experiences I've had in life. Wow. And I just love the fact that it shows black uh, friendship, black male friendship. Black yeah. male brotherhood, um, yeah. which we don't see a lot um, on, on major media. 
um, and it was encouraging to me. I, for, um, from what I saw, of it, it was very the, the the just the acting was very punchy. The the humor was very punchy. Like you said, the comedic actors, and I look forward to finishing it. Um, you know, because I just think it's so important to watch. Um, to tell tell us how you're able to get it on Tubi. The Tubi is a very well known platform, mm-hmm. and 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 um, you know, how are you able to get into that situation where you could pitch it and even get it on scene? I mean, it goes from an idea, you record it, you shot it, and then you said, "Fuck it, I'll do it." I, I, you know, I'll I'll do all the the, the legwork. How did you get it to me? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a that was a longer story. So uh, that's a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So basically, what we did was we we shot the pilot episode and we um, screened it locally here at um theater. We had sold out screenings, man, and um, showed it here. And then we put it online um, on Vimeo on demand, and we started you know pulling big numbers. And that's kind of what led us into distribution was the numbers that we were putting up. So we put up one episode, then we put up the next episode, um, and we just started pulling in a lot of viewership. We started getting a lot of fans, like all over the all over the nation, man. I mean, I mean, in other countries, everything. And so um, we were able to pull our analytic numbers, and that's what usually happens with streaming platforms when you're starting to pull up numbers. And um, you approach a streaming platform, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to look at your, your analytics, they're going to look at your numbers and see what type of numbers you're pulling up. And so um, I have a good friend of mine, Eric um, Bernard, who um, runs a production company. Um, um, and he uh, was a big fan of the show. And he said, look, what I want to do is I, I want to try to run this to a, uh, a distributor and see you know, what they think. And so we showed it to the distributor, um, Buffalo 8 Film, who's out of New Mexico, and uh, they loved it. They, they, they loved the show. And we're not even done with the season. We're not even done shooting the season yet. Oh, wow. And they, and they, they took us on um, just based off of the two episodes that we showed them. Because they're good. They're uh, great. <laughs> yeah, so they were like, yeah. I was like, we're not even done yet. And they're like, nah, we want, we, 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 we want to do business now. Yeah. And so we, we can get you guys on Tubi. You know, we, we, were gonna, we were gonna shop it to other streaming platforms, but you know, Eric was really honest with me and and, and um, that's the thing that, you know, we gotta look at as, as creators, man, is that everybody's quick to wanna get on and wanna just sell their shit. But, you know, he was real real with me. He said, look, if we take this to, um, if it gets picked up like a Netflix or it gets picked up by a Hulu or, or you know, one of the other streaming platforms, um, you're gonna lose ownership of the show. Yeah, can't gonna, do that. You know, they're gonna yeah, they're gonna want to recast it. They're probably gonna move it to another city. It's probably not gonna be based in Tulsa. It's probably gonna be you know go somewhere else. And you know you'll make some money, but you know you're gonna lose the show. And I, I said I don't want to do that. I want to keep my show. It's mine. Mm-hmm. I created it, mm-hmm. and so um, I want to have control of my show. I want to keep the actors that I have. And more importantly, I, I wanted to stay in Tulsa. No, nobody shoots fucking shows here. Yeah. And so this is a show that's based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's a that's a, a, a thing. That's a character in the show. And wow. so I, it was important for us to, to to keep that all those elements together uh, for the show to be successful. And so I said, well, um, then who can we go to? And he said, well, he said we can get you a deal with TV because they they really like it. We showed it to them and they really like it, so they're willing to go ahead and put it on that platform. Even though even though you're not even done with the season yet, they're willing to take the chance and go ahead and put you guys on there. I love that. So, I said okay, well let's do it. So we 
we signed a deal, you know, a couple months ago, and um, yes, Tubi put us on, and the rest has been, you know, as it is, as they say, history. I just, man, I just love the fact, the ingenuity, the focus, the the, the, the on authenticity as well, because that story, like you said, is very personal to you, and mm -hmm. um, I, I just have so much respect. And and if we could give the audience one um, action thing to do, right? Why do they need to focus on services like Tubi when it comes to creators, especially Black creators? Why should they take their eyeballs off? You know, obviously they're going to watch Netflix and Hulu with that yeah, yeah. HBO Max. That's part of the ecosystem. But why is it important for them also to give some of their attention to to, to things like Tubi when it comes to like black creators Tubi's been, Tubi's been really good to, to indie black creators man and, and, I, and I tell people all the time check out Tubi not just because my show is on there but just go on there if, if you go on there you're going to see a lot of indie black content like like hood shit mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like shit you probably won't see on other um, streaming platforms um, and uh, yeah I'm 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 really impressed with them, and they you know they have over 33 million viewers. Yeah, and you know, and they're they're looking for a black content. I I just saw um, one of my dudes, man, his, his name escapes me. He he did a web series called um, "You Hitting That," mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> um, but yo, they he turned the whole web series that he did into a movie, mm. and to and to be picked it up, and it's one of their it's one of their top. It's one of their top uh, streamers right now. I love black that. Content, I black love content. that. He used to be a web series, man. And he um, turned it into, he, he took all the pieces of it and turned it into a feature. And it's like one of their top streamers right now. And so the, it, a lot of people are, a lot of these streaming platforms, they're looking for black content. And they, and know, and uh, ever since, you know, George Floyd and other things have been happening, uh, every, every streaming platform has a black section now. You know what I'm saying? You go on their platform, everybody's got a black section. But Tubi had a black section pretty much before everybody else did. You know, so they were already streaming a lot of black content. Netflix was too, but, you know, like I said, going with going with bigger streamers like that, you know, you kind of lose a little bit. Oh, and yeah. so, yeah, so it's, I think it's important for um, content, black content creators to not only create their own platforms, but go with those platforms that are up and coming. They want to they want to give those black creators their 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 control and give those black creators a platform to to screen their work. I just love the numbers you had to back it up like 33 million like I said I've heard of Tubi I use Tubi and, and I love the quality of the show and I think everyone who's listening right now needs to download that damn Tubi app right now okay it's and they free. need to look it's for free. it's free don't cost you a damn thing you know it doesn't cost you nothing these apps cost you 20 to 40 dollars 70 some of them are 60 70 dollars yeah. you have a free app where you have access to black content and if you're a creator and you're a drawer and you're a writer and, and you're a person who has a production company and you want to be seen you might want to look at Tubi um, okay so for action what can people do to follow you support you help get people to, the word out about what Blurred is all about and your production company what can people do sure um, you can go to our website uh, blurredwebseries.com um, and that's where you you can find out information about the show, the cast, um, you know what the show is about, all of that. You know, pick up some merch if you want. Uh, uh, we also what we're very proud of is that we have a soundtrack. Um, we want to see web series that have a, a full soundtrack, and we feature all Tulsa artists. Now, there's people probably listening, probably saying, "Yeah, okay, you got much niggas in Tulsa. Okay, so what? Mm -hmm. Okay." 
when you listen to the web series, hit me, hit me back. Okay. It's probably going to be one of the best soundtracks you've ever heard. And I'm not, I'm not saying that shit just because it's my, on my show, but we have some very talented artists. We have some of the most talented artists on the planet. Um, one of our, a couple of our artists are, are world known. Faye Moffitt, uh, Brand J, those are two ladies that are known around the globe. And they are phenomenal figures, and they're on my soundtrack. I love Matter that. Matter of fact, Faye Moffitt was on The Voice. He was the one, he oh. was the one, they, they, gave, they gave The Voice the business because they didn't turn around on her. Mm. She went in there and blew. She sang like a Demi Lovato song and just killed it. And they, nobody turned around. And they, I mean, she made news, bro. They were on, they were on, look it up. Faye Moffitt from Tulsa, Oklahoma. They gave them the business. They were like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Y'all didn't turn around on her. That girl was bad, one of the best things y'all ever had on the show. What the fuck are y'all doing? Da, da, da. They gave them the business. Mm, as they should. As they should. So, folks, what I'm going to do is uh, include the link to blur the web series so you guys can easily access it from iTunes, Spotify, Anchor app, Google Podcast, all everywhere where podcasts are listened to. You're going to be able to literally tap the, the information or extra notes within the app, depending on what app you're on, and you can hit the link directly to go to the web series. I'm also going to have a link to his Instagram so that you can support. Um, for people that are on Clubhouse, come and join us. We're going to do some episodes where we're going to have him as co-hosting as well. We're going to we're building an ecosystem for black nerds to be represented, man. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be good. Great. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you can reach me on there. You can reach me, uh, Screenwriter Hank, um, on uh, social media, or you can reach me at Hank Bird. Or you can just Google me, man. Google me, man. You know, they I'm, they say I'm Googleable now. <laughs> so right. you can Google Hank Bird and I'm, I'm out there. Love it. Mr. Bird, I've been more than appreciative of having your time. I know you're very busy holiday time and I can't wait for the world to support into. And when we talk about we want more black representation, we have to fucking do it. Put our feet in the ground, put our hands on this content and support it and follow and share. You'd be surprised what one share can do with three other people. So thanks so much for coming on, brother. I look forward to uh, seeing you in the clubhouse. And guys, thanks for coming on. Peace. Thank you, brother. All right.